Come on now, you got two days until Thanksgiving break. How you guys doing? That is what I like to hear. Well, hey, um, over the last uh, two weeks, uh, we've been in the series called Belief, and, and tonight uh, we're going we're gonna to continue and wrap up this series. And before we get there, my name is Derek. I, I get the, uh, the honor and privilege of working on staff here at Westridge, and uh, when Todd needs to break, he, he calls in relief, you know, that mess bullpen, they need some help sometimes. I'm just kidding. I just, I just had a dig at the Mets, you know, just for a minute. Um, he, uh, so he invited me to come speak tonight, and so I, I just, I just want to thank you guys for, for allowing me to come in and, and speak. Um, but to give a, a quick overview recap of, of where we've been in this series, um, I, I just want to kind of just recap the last two weeks. And so the very first week, uh, Pastor Todd kind of talked through that God doesn't want us to have a blind faith but a deep faith, which is made possible by gaining confidence in what we believe. And and in his message, he used a quote from Tim Keller that was so powerful. It's right here on the screens. Check it out. A person's faith can collapse overnight if they've failed over the years to listen patiently to his or her doubts. As Christians, we should acknowledge and wrestle with our doubt. Did you guys hear that? As Christians, we should acknowledge and wrestle with our doubt. It is no longer sufficient to hold beliefs just because you inherited them. What does that mean? That means just because you grew up in the church doesn't mean you're in. All right? Just because you, you've, had, you've had, you know, lots of years of, of Sunday school or small group underneath your belt, that doesn't necessarily mean you're in. You're in when you enter into a relationship with Jesus. Um, And so last week, Pastor Todd covered, can we really trust the Bible? And I do have to say, I I, I had a chance to to look over Todd's note and kind of listen to it. And and Todd absolutely crushed this message. And, And here was his main point. He said, we can have confidence in the Bible because of the manuscripts, the archaeological finds, historians, and, this, and this, is a, this is a huge one for us right now. And the lives who have been changed. And so over the last two weeks, we've, we've kind of had, we've covered a, a ton of ground. We've covered a lot of content. And so if, if you've missed a week or, or if one week just went kind of over your head, go to westridge.com slash students. And you can actually listen. You can subscribe to the Westridge Student Podcast. And you can listen to all these messages right there on your phone. All right. So that's. That was for free, all right? So that leads us to tonight. That leads us to tonight. And before we go any further, I, I, I do want to just say one thing real fast. What? I'm glad you asked because it's in my notes. So the, the one thing that, that as, as believers, okay, as, as followers of Jesus, let me tell you this. It is okay to have questions, it is okay to wrestle with some doubt. It's okay to, to deal with questions that, gang, listen, you may never have the answers to. And that's okay. Because that's, that's, what, that's what we are, as believers are meant to do. We're, we're meant to fight through life. We're, it's, is life easy? Is, does anybody think that life is just a breeze? Okay, no Okay, good. I'm not the only one. So, but here's, here's the thing. 
when you find those moments and, and you're struggling with something, you're, you're dealing with something, let me tell you what you need to do. So it's real simple. Take a step. Take a step. That means read something, listen to something, get involved. Because here's what I know about West Church Church, and this is what I know about Reckless, that you can belong before you believe. You can belong before you completely understand everything. It's okay. It's, it's, it's what we're meant to do. It's what we're meant to walk through. And, and here's what I mean. You, you look at Jesus' 12 disciples, right? He invited, so in addition to his 12 disciples, he invited men and women to follow him. And, and those followers were at time a little terrible. You know, they would go through seasons of, of being all in, and then they would go through seasons of not knowing exactly what they believe, and then they, then they would go through seasons of they just have no idea anymore. And then Jesus would go on to use them to change the world. And, and so if you, if you walk into this room tonight, and, and, and in the past you've, you've had an experience with God, all right? You, you've had a moment at Rush. You've had a moment during a Sunday morning message. You've had a, a moment at Surge Camp. You've had a moment at a vacation Bible school, whatever it looks like for you. But you walk into this room, you walk into this room tired. You walk into this room and you may not just, you may not have it all together. You walk into this room with doubts. You walk into this room of, you don't really know what to believe. I'm here, I, I wanna tell you, but before we get into the, to the meat of this message, that where you're at is okay. You're in good shape, all right? So here's, here's where we're going tonight. This is a tough one, all right? So we're gonna tackle the question, did Jesus really die and raise three days later? That's where we're going. So before we get there, when I graduated high school, my, my youth pastor in, invited me to come to our middle school camp and, and, and lead a small group of, of sixth and seventh grade guys. And it was, it was a fun week. It was great. But at that time in my life, I, I had just become a believer. I had just become a follower of Jesus. And I'll, I'll be honest, you know, taking, taking this, taking all of this and, and understanding it, it doesn't come overnight. And so I, I was just, ha I had all kinds of questions. I was doubting whether or not I could really trust what, what God's word had to say. And so in the middle of the week, I found, my, I found myself in the, in the same room as, as my pastor. And, and him and I were shooting the breeze and, and I asked him, I just dropped a bombshell of a question on him. And just out of nowhere, I asked him, Pastor Brett, what proof do you have that God really exists? And so he kind of took a second. He took a second. He said, you know, Derek, that's, that's kind of a tough question. And, and he said, you and I could sit in here. We can, have, we can have discussions about articles. We can have discussions about different theology. We can have discussions about, you know, just what you and I both believe. But here's what's significant to me. He said, the fact that we're sitting in a room 2,000 plus years later, and talking about a man who walked the earth and having a conversation about his life and what he did, he said, that's pretty profound. And I didn't know it at the time, but 
that, that was a significant moment in my life. Because you, you, I asked the question, what, what proof do you have that God exists? And he said, because of the fact that we're having a conversation about Jesus. You know, you can kind of look at that and say, he, well, he kind of Jesus juked you a little bit. You know, he, he didn't really answer your question. But for me, in that moment, that's exactly what I needed to hear. That's exactly what I needed to hear. I, I needed to hear that because of the fact that we're having a conversation about Jesus and his life, that, that set me up for the next four years of my life. That, 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 helped me, that helped build a foundation as a young follower of Christ that helped set me up. And so I'm going to shoot really straight with you tonight. Over the next 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to do my very best to do one thing. We're going to answer the question, did Jesus really die and raised three days later. And here's the thing. The, the thing about this question is that it's a fact-based question, right? Not, not a faith-based question. Not, not, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus died and rose again? Because you can find that all over the Gospels. But over the next 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to try to break down why we can have trust in the fact that Jesus, one, really did live, really did die, and then really did raise. So, here we go. First, we have to really answer the question, why what we believe about God matters. Why does it matter? And a pastor that I really respect kind of boiled it down to one thing. He said, I would argue that how you see and understand Jesus Christ will affect how you see yourself and will affect how you see the world around you and directly affect your ability to live the fullest life possible. Okay? And so with that said, there's three things that I think that we have to remember about God. Number one, we have to believe what we believe about God. Excuse me. What we, be, what we believe about God will affect every major decision that we make in our life. Every single one of them. For those, for all of you in high school, this, that decision and what you believe about Jesus will affect what kind of friends you have. It's going to affect what kind, of, what kind of parties you go to, what kind of events that you miss. It's going to affect where you go to college. It's going to affect who you marry. It's going to affect where you live. It's going to affect what you do for a living. All of those things, because of the fact that what we believe about Jesus will affect all of those things. And as, and as young believers in Christ in this room, as students, if you grasp that, here's the win. Here's the win. That God will do something incredible in your life and he will use you in ways that you never saw coming. You never saw coming. Freshman, I guarantee you, if you ask some of these seniors how God has used them over the course of their high school career, their answers would absolutely blow you away. Because I guarantee you, when they were sitting in your seats, they never expected for God to use them in places like Nicaragua, for God to use them in places like Baltimore. But seniors, has God used you in your high school career? Shake your head yes, seniors. Right? God's used you. And God will use you. 
So here's the second thing. God was not made in our own image. We are made in his. Okay, let me say that again. God was not made in our own image, but we are made in his. In Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That'll preach right there. We, we, don't, we, don't, we can't walk around and say, hey, God, look how awesome I am. He knows because he's the one who made us. We look like him. Now, number three, God does not exist to make much of us. We exist to make much of him. In Isaiah 42, 8, it says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. Psalms 19.1 says that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. All right. So what we believe, let me, let me recap this real fast. What we believe about God will affect everything in our life. It's going to affect what we believe about God. It's going, what we believe about God will affect every major decisions. God was not made in our own image. We are made in his. And God does not exist to make much of us. We exist to make much of him. That leads us to the first, that leads us to like the entree. All right. Dessert's coming. This, we're at the entree at this point. We're going we're gonna to tackle the question, how do you know that Jesus actually walked the earth? And how can we trust scripture to be true? And so in order to answer this question, we got we to downshift in some history real fast. And so all over the place, there are historical writings that prove that Jesus actually existed. Okay? Wrap your mind around that. I don't think I, I, don't think I actually cognitively realized that until I was a freshman in college. That Jesus literally walked this earth. You track with me? Jesus was a real man. He's not just in the stories. He's not just in the scriptures. He was real. Not only was he real, not only did he actually walk this earth, he actually gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave that to us. He gave him to us so that we can have a relationship with God. But we're not going there. We're talking about, did Jesus actually walk this earth? And so I want to, talk, I want to break down two historians that actually wrote things that you can get on your internet machine in your pocket and you can actually Google this right now and you can actually pull it up. And so the first is a man named Cornelius Tactus. And he's considered one of the greatest historians of the Roman Empire. Roman Empire. Biggest empire of, of right after Jesus died. Like these people were savages, like, like real ones. All right. So Cornelius Taxes, he lived from 56 AD to 120 AD. There and about. And he actually wrote about Jesus' death, which we find in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then he also, in addition to that, he wrote about the persecution of the early church. All right, so what does that prove? That proves that not only were the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, actually telling a story 
that is actually recorded in history. Those things actually happened. And then he goes on to write about the fact that the early church was truly persecuted. People died because of their faith in Jesus, right? So that's, that's the first guy. The, first, the second is his name is Titus. I'm going to say his name all kinds of wrong. Titus Flavius Josephus. And he was a Jewish historian who wrote about the life of Jesus, saying that Jesus was a wise man who did surprising feats. He taught many. He won over followers among Jews and Greeks, which is significant, but we don't have the time to jump into that. But that's all kinds of, that's another discussion. And that Jesus was believed to be the Messiah. And he was accused by Jewish leaders and was condemned and crucified by Pontius Pilate. And then he goes on to write, he was considered to be resurrected. Okay? So what we believe in a nutshell, written by an objective third party. Okay? So that's that. Here's another way to think about it, all right? I, I want us to kind of think about the, the character of Jesus, the actual man, his story. And so in order to do that, I, I, I want to hear some of y'all's favorite movies. Favorite movies. What's the first movie that comes to your mind? That's like you? Harry Potter, all right? Like Liking. I heard Grey's Anatomy. That's my favorite TV show. Just kidding. Star Wars. All right, all right. Okay, so let me... Y'all gave, y'all gave some great examples right in that moment. All right, good movies. I've watched most of them. Not Harry Potter, believe it or not. No, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. Hang on, guys. Come on, bring it in. Let me give you a thread that is in every story. All right? In every, in every great story, there is always a character that plays the hero. Right? And then, then there's always a character that plays the guide, right? So what do I mean by that? The hero of the story is always a character trying to accomplish the mission. He's trying to, he's trying to do the things. He's trying to win the game. He's trying to, to take people to the promised land. He's, he's, he's like the man, all right? And then the guide, the guide is, is the person clearing the path for the hero. He's the one giving advice. He's the one telling them, hey, if you do it like this, this will actually work. So, for example, nobody said it. I'll forgive you, but my favorite trilogy of all time has to be the Dark Knight trilogy. It's a good one. I got some claps right there. That's good. All right. So, my, my favorite, that's, that's my favorite trilogy. And, here, and here's why. It's not a movie. It's a film. That's, that's a, there's a big difference. So, my movie buffs will know that. But anyway, that's beside the point. But here's the thing. If you look at the storyline of, of every, every single movie in, in the Dark Knight trilogy, you see that Batman, that Batman is, is, is working to save Gotham. He's, he's working to save Gotham from, from villains like Scarecrow and the Joker and Bane. And, and that's what he's trying to do, right? And who do you think his guide is? Alfred, the butler. Because here's the deal. This is what Alfred does. Like he is like, he has this British accent, which is always like super cool. And then not only that, but he is the one kind of in the background who's giving Batman all these ideas of, of weapons and how you, should, how you should do things. And he's making meals and, and bandaging wounds and protecting his emotional state by, by not telling him how Rachel Dawes feels and all these things. And, and Alfred plays the role of the guy. Now, here's a couple of examples. Lion King. 
You got Simba, and then you got Rafiki, right? You know, like, look harder. You know, like that's, like, that's his thing right there, you know? And then in the Hunger Games, anybody Hunger Games? All right. So you got Katniss Everdeen, and then you got Haymage, right? And so, however, what's interesting, if you look at the life, if you look at the story of Jesus, Jesus did not burst onto the scene as a hero. He came onto the scene and played the role of the guide. And that's contrary to what everybody thought the Messiah would be. And, and, and here's, here's a quote from Bart Ehrman, who is a historian who actually, like, what he does for a living is studies the life of Jesus. He studies the man, the historical figure of Jesus. And this is what he said. Jewish people believed the Messiah was supposed to overthrow the enemies. And so if you're going to make up a Messiah, if you're just going to pull one out of the air and say, this is who he was and this is what he did. Here's the thing. This is what he goes on to say. You wouldn't make up somebody who was humiliated, tortured, and killed by the enemies. Right? And so here's, so on the flip side of the discussion, all right, we're, we're still talking about how do we know that Jesus actually existed? On the flip side of the discussion, you know it's unique when a person or a situation stands the test of time, right? Like, when's the last time you've heard a story about the Zika virus? Like the virus that was like plaguing Orlando, like plaguing Miami and plaguing places like Guatemala and Nicaragua and all those places. Anybody else? It's been a long time. So there's always anomalies. But what about the last time that you had a conversation about the goat? And what, who I mean by that is Muhammad Ali. When's the last time? He, he, he passed away over the summer. This man did incredible things for the sport of boxings. But, but when's the last time you heard a conversation about him? It's probably been a while. What about when's the last time that you fired up your iPod, period? Like an, an actual iPod Nano. Or when's the last time that you listened to an iPod Nano with One Direction playing through it? It's probably been a hot minute. Like, it's, it's, it's one of those things that some things just, listen, listen, guys. Some things just don't stand the test of time. Some things just don't. Think about it like this. When's the last time that you talked about Rush 2013? It's, it's been a minute. When's the last time that you talked about Rush 2016? Some things, although, the, listen, however great they might be, they won't stand the test of time. But listen, what are we doing in this room tonight? We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the character, the man of Jesus. We're talking about the gospel. Guess what we do every single week in this room? We talk about the gospel. We talk about Jesus. What do you think Pastor Brian stands right up here and does every single Sunday? Talks about the gospel. He talks about Jesus. And guess what happens Every single week, not only in this room, but in homes throughout the community, what happens before this service on Wednesday night, we gather and we talk about Jesus Christ. We talk about something that actually stands the test of time. And so that right there is proof. Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing to any argument. Listen to me. Listen to me real fast. Some of you might be sitting in your seat right now saying, you're wrong. What about the fact that, what if it's just not true? 
You, that you might, you might have that thought in your mind. But here's the thing. Let's, let's keep going. We'll, we'll answer that later. Author and pastor John Piper sums this whole point up like this. Christianity is not private knowledge. Every single one of you have the ability to download an app onto your phone and read tens, twenties, thirty, hundreds of versions of the Bible. Every, every single one of you. It's not, it's not, it's our documents. This is what he goes on to say. Our documents are public and open to natural reading for anyone. We do not claim to have a holy man somewhere who dispenses impossible th- meanings for, in, for clear text. The book is rooted in real history, not mythology. Now, here's the thing, gang. It, it's, 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 it's pretty widely understood that the, that the man and character of Jesus really, really, really did walk this earth. There's, 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 there's not much debate around that. But here's, here's the question that, that, that kind of leads next. Is, did he raise from the grave? Did he do it? Did he pull it off? Did he raise from the grave? So one of the things that I did to prepare for this message was I asked men and women who I respect, who I respect personally deeply, and I asked them the question, how do you know that Jesus was raised from the dead? And I want to ask you that question tonight. How do you know? I want you to think about it. How, how do you know? And every single one of them kind of had a moment like we just had. Like a lot of you just kind of like just sat there and like, hmm, that is, that is a hard question. Because <laughs> it is. It really is. And, and, and I, got, I got, you know... One person said, you know, I can't get past what the Bible says about Jesus and the resurrection. That, that person just couldn't move past what the Bible had to say. The second said, <clears throat> excuse me. The second said that I've seen too many changed lives for, for Jesus not to have been raised from the dead. And then the third individual, who happens to be my mentor, said something that really resonated with me. He said, you know, one thing that's, that's always stuck out to me is the fact that Jesus' 12 disciples, each of them died a horrible death aside from one. And he said, I, I, don't, I don't know why the d- disciples would have went to their death. One, one went to his death and was crucified upside down. One disciple, this is PG-13, prepare your hearts. One disciple was skinned alive. One, one, and, and then another one was, was literally whipped and tied and then crucified to a cross. And he said, I don't know very many people who would have done that for a lie. You think about that. You think about the fact that those men and those women... And, and it's not just the disciples. So many men and women went to their death because they knew that Jesus did what he said he did. In 1 Corinthians fifteen thirteen, it says this, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been Raised. Listen, and if Christ has not been raised, 
then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. Listen, gang, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, listen, if he didn't raise from the dead, if he didn't do what he said he did, we're wasting our time here tonight. We might as well pack this place up and turn it into community center. This is pointless if Jesus did not raise from the dead. This is, this is what our faith hinges on. And, and, and Jesus had to raise from the dead in order to accomplish the promises of the Old Testament, which is to make a way to our heavenly Father. Because before Jesus, there was a very, very real separation. And the, fact, and the matter of the fact is that, that sets Christianity apart from everything else, is that if Jesus didn't raise from the grave, then, then we do not have access to our, to our heavenly father. And if you, if you think about that for a second, if you think about the fact that without Jesus, without his death, burial, and resurrection, then we have no hope. We have no hope for a life after death. We have no hope. And if you think about it, you'll see how much love it took for him to make a way for us. You'll see what an honor it is that we can call him dad. First Peter 3.15 says that instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you for your hope as a believer, you must always be ready to explain it. Here's how that reads in the message. Through thick and thin. Keep your hearts at attention and adoration before Christ your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living life the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Gang, I'm going to close with this tonight. Don't, do not be afraid of your doubts. Do not be afraid of your questions. Because those are going to be the things that are going to draw you in to a a genuine, deep relationship with Jesus. When when you answer those questions, and listen, you, you may not ever get to the bottom of it, but as you fight to answer those questions, your relationship with him will be will be deeper and more meaningful than any other relationship that you have in your life. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, each of us, each of us in this room, we have to do something with Jesus. We have to do something with the historical figure of Jesus. And here's the thing. Here's the two, here's the two answers, all right? It's an A-B question. He's either the Son of God who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and then rose three days later so that we may have a relationship with God, or he was just a man who did some good things when he walked on this earth. And listen, that's for us to fight for. That's for us to wrestle with as we, as we walk in this, in this life. That's for, that's, that is exactly why this church is here, so that people may become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we have reckless that's why we have small groups. That's why your small group leaders are here tonight is because they believe 
in you. And they believe that God is going to do something great, something great in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this group. God, thank you so much that you've given us Jesus and the fact that he came and died and rose again for, our, for, for what we did. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your truth. And God, we ultimately, we give all the glory to your son Jesus. In his name, amen.